Hello, Charleston basketball fans. Thanks for tuning in to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Hard to believe we're already a few days into December. Holidays are just around the corner. Final exams are here for all the students out there. Don't miss those. But this is a show about COC hoops. We've got two games last week to go over, two games coming up this week. Harrison Bown, former Charleston basketball player, good friend of the pod. He is here to discuss it all. Cougars went 1-1 one and one last week, but as we'll discuss on today's show, a little bit of a troubling pattern here. Late in games, both instances, the Cougars let their foot off the gas a little bit, looked a little out of sorts, and it got them in the Furman game, a game the Cougars had in hand. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. And we're also going to spend a lot of time talking on the positive end about a guy who continues to ball out for the Cougars, and that is freshman Rain Smith. New career high in points against Tulane. Later in the week, follows it up with another new career high against Furman. 20-plus in both those contests. He has been on an absolute tear to start his college career, and we're wondering if he's, you know, not just the best rookie in the league, but just one of the best players in the CAA. So all that and more on today's show. Hope you all enjoy. Let's go. All right, Cougar fans, Harrison Bown is back on the podcast to help me break down the last couple games for the Cougs and look ahead. Harry, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Looking forward to uh, reviewing a couple of these games. I'm looking forward to the, the stretch we got to end the year. Between the Furman game and the Georgia upset to Alabama, not a great sports weekend for you. But at least the Panthers yeah. are on a bye. Exactly. The Panthers The Panthers can't lose. So, yeah. Heart, heartbreaking uh, game for the Cougars. And then, obviously, Georgia just got dominated start to finish. So, um, it's only up from here. It's only up from here. Let's let's channel your frustration and mine into a, a really productive podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the game earlier in the week, uh, the two-lane game. Cougars win this one, 81-77. This is the first of two meetings between Coach Ron Hunter and the Green Wave and the Cougars. Later in the pod, we'll preview the game coming up in New Orleans this week. Um, I think just going into this one, you know, we had talked about Jalen Cook, that LSU transfer for Tulane, who was one of the leading freshman scorers in the country. Uh, This game gets off to a really choppy start. I don't know if you were there, but turnovers, scoring droughts for both teams. But Charleston goes on one of those runs, uh, which we'll get to where, you know, things are really clicking again, kind of like we saw in Chattanooga. And then a not so great finish down the stretch. But before we break down kind of the, the layers of this game, what were your overall takeaways from this one? Yeah, same thing. I think the big takeaway is, is all the turnovers. I think that was probably the biggest conversation point that I had with, with most CFC fans were just how sloppy we were with the ball at times. And then obviously you look at it, and I think we're up you know, eight or nine with like two minutes left. You're like, okay, well, as poorly as we played at stretches, you're going to pull this out, have like a nice nine-point victory, and then all of a sudden it's like a two-point game. So um, just some ugly turnovers at times, a little carelessness with, with the basketball, which we've seen kind of throughout the year, which is a little scary. But at the same time, you find a way to gut it out against a, a Tulane team that's got some talent and, and get a big win at home. So ugly wins are, are still wins, and they, and they still count. So We saw something we saw against Oklahoma State and Chattanooga, and that was a little bit of a zone defense in this one. And Meeks was the guy kind of in the Willis Hall spot, as I call it, like the soft spot of the zone yeah. where Willis and Jarrell Brantley have always done really well. And we saw Meeks facilitating a little bit from there. But I wanted to ask you, since you played basketball at a higher level than I did, what do you want to see this team do when they're getting pressured or when they're seeing that zone defense? 
I mean, I think we're overall a pretty good shooting team, unlike some of the teams we've had in the, in the past where maybe we're not as consistent from the three-point line. So that's not off, you know, off the top. That's a great thing. We have some guys that can hit some big shots to get people out of that zone. The facilitating part, it's interesting because you and I have texted about this. We don't really seem to have like that true point guard. We've got a lot of guys that kind of bring it up. And, and when you're playing fast, you don't necessarily have to have that one true guy that's got the ball in his hands at all times. But mm-hmm. I, if it's going to be Meeks, if it's going to be – and I know he's facilitating a lot and, he, and he's really good. If it's going to be him or it's going to be Ali or whoever, Smith, we've just got to find that guy that's got the confidence every time to, to calm people down, break the press, get people into the right position. And sometimes I feel like when you have a team that, that tries to play as fast as we do, you can start – speeding yourself up a little bit too much to the point where you're like, okay, who's taking it out? Who's bringing it up? Where are we going here? And you get in a rush and, and all of a sudden people are pressuring you and you're, and you're turning the ball over. So whether that's Meeks or Ali or Underwood, whoever it ends up being, someone's got to take the reins a little bit for, hey, when we start getting pressure, let's get in our zones, take command of the court um, and get people where they need to be to break it and, and then get into our offense. Yeah, we saw we saw all three of those guys, Underwood, Ali, and Meeks, all have turnovers in this one. Yeah, I tweeted this out during the Furman game. There's times where CFC's playing so fast that it's bordering on reckless, and yeah. that's when we see the turnovers or the bad shots that are the first pass in the you know a fast break for the other team. So yeah, there was some sloppiness in this one. Helps to to shoot well. I mean, Charleston shot 12 for 25 from deep in this game. So even if they did struggle. They had these bailout threes from Smith yep. and Ali got it going in this one. Tucker had a bounce back game. Guys, guys were hitting shots from outside, but I still got the sense that Tulane was scoring way more easily than than Charleston was. I, they shot over fifty percent for the game, and they just made it look easy, kind of picking Charleston apart. Yeah, we've seen that in a couple games now, where it feels like our defense isn't quite as gritty as it probably needs to be. And I understand when you're playing as fast as we are sometimes you tend to not focus as much on getting that stop as more of like, okay, they scored, let's get the ball out and run. But there are times in a game where you can kind of get in that cycle where if the other team's hitting shots and shooting over 50%, well, well now you're just in a shootout, you know? Yeah. And if you're starting to turn the ball over, things can go south really quickly. I mean, you look at that Tulane game. We've seen couple, it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at that Tulane game, a couple of those threes don't go down for us, and now all of a sudden maybe we're down eight or nine points and it's a dogfight. So – it's it's gotten dangerous a couple times um, with with the turnovers and and like you said the shooting kind of bailing us out. So I, I would like to see us get a little more gritty on the defensive end and kind of like we did the first three games, really use the defense to propel us to play faster, not so much just hey let's play fast no matter what. Yeah, that's a good point. Just one block shot from CFC in this game, which kind of points to that aggressiveness on defense. Yeah, which as much length as we have, that, that shouldn't be the case. I and mean, we've got some tall guys and some long guys on the wing that we should be blocking shots and getting steals and, and causing, you know, a ruckus for other teams. Well, I, I mentioned the offense, which seemed fine. I mean, I Tucker, again, bounce back game for him. He had struggled on on the road the previous couple games. Uh, Ali finally showed some, some scoring chops. Underwood and Meeks both kind of stuffed the stat sheet with – assists and rebounds and steals but let's talk about the close of this game actually i mean we haven't even mentioned rain smith yet and we'll, we'll get to him we'll, we'll give him his chops he gets a career high in this game and he gets a career high against Furman. he's playing at a different level right now we'll get to him the closing stretch that you mentioned uh i wrote it down it was 77 65 cougars on top by 12 
with 218 to play. Tulane then goes on an 11 nothing run over two minutes of game time to cut it to 77-76 with 20 seconds to play. In that stretch, the Charleston offense was Rain Smith missed three-pointer, Meeks turnover, Underwood misses the front end of a one-on-one, Ali turnover. What do you hear missing from that? Not a single shot (laughs) during that stretch where Tulane charges all the way back and and turns this one into a nail-biter. And obviously, you know, we're a team that shoots a lot of threes and we're a team that's been making a lot of big threes and and Rain Smith's been absolutely on fire. But when it's that late in the game, taking a quick three is just opening the door for your opponent. You know, it's a quick three. It's an open rebound run out. They can run. Now you're in transition and maybe you're not getting back in defense where you should be. You know, I always like late in games, run your offense and attack the rim. Because chances are, late in the game, ref's going to call a foul. You're going to free throw line, or you're getting a layup, or you're you know driving for a kick out three. I almost think we we get stuck in playing too fast late in the games, to where like you said, it's it's a missed three and then three turnovers, and all of a sudden the 12 point game is a three point game, and you're thinking, how the heck does this happen? You know, two minutes left in the game, up 12, you should be able to hold that to at least an eight point lead and close the thing out. You know, you shouldn't yeah. let these these teams get quick runouts and quick buckets to, to cut the lead that quickly. And we kind of saw that pop back up in the, the firm game as well. If the Cougars aren't out and running and they're in those stretches where everything's going right, what is their half court offense? Cause it seems like, like Demetrius Underwood driving kick to rain Smith. is kind of like the, the basics of it, but like we've seen like a Meeks post up doesn't work, doesn't result in points or free throw attempts. Ollie and Tucker, they'll drive, but they kind of get swallowed up. By, by bigger players and usually don't yeah. go to the line. So it's like, wh- how do you score in the half court with it? Like we haven't seen it in these past two games. Yeah. And that's, and that's the tough thing with teams that are, are built to kind of run and play fast and get those kick out threes. And that's kind of the way the game is transitioned. Now it's not that teams don't have half court sets or don't have a half court offense. It's just, you're so ingrained at running gun and these quick moves, dribble drives that all of a sudden the team is set in a half court defense. And it's like, well, what, what are we running here? And that's where you've got to go that's where you got to go to those quick hitters or the, or the quick sets that you have. And then that's also where us figuring out who our true ball handler point guard is going to be. If it's Meeks, that's fine. I mean, he can play a point four. He's shown that ability, but we've got to kind of find out who that guy is going to be that can kind of settle everybody down, get them into their spots, run whatever set that is or, or high pick and roll and, and go from there. That's where you'd almost love, you know, like a Meeks and, Underwood pick and roll where even if they can switch somebody to pick and pop or pick and roll drops the defense kick out to Smith whatever it may be we've got to find out who that guy is going to be it's going to take charge late in the game be the good ball handler be able to go up to the line and knock down free throws and, and close the game out yeah Underwood missing the front end of those two one-on-ones late really made my my tokus pucker up um <laughs> but uh yeah that was uh that was um a fearful moment you could kind of see things spiraling at that point and thank god we we ended up pulling it out but there was some nerve-wracking ending to that game yeah we you know Tulane has a chance I think with like five seconds to go to hit the go-ahead shot yeah and it gets tapped out and somehow Rain Smith ends up with it the one person you want taking those shots he knocks both down and I think they had one more free throw attempt where OC grabs the rebound and ices it but yeah, yeah that was a little too close for comfort and as we saw, you kind of play with fire against Tulane. You get burned against Furman because uh, yeah. the, the, the the meltdown was complete in that one. Um, but just to wrap this one up again, Smith, career night for him. He has 22 points in this one, 6 for 10 from 3, leading scorer for the team. And then Raekwon Horton, 
uh, I wanted to note, gets his first collegiate points, finally gets the monkey off his yeah. back and ends up in the record books on the uh, on the points sheet. Uh, six points, two rebounds, two steals, no turnovers in 10 minutes. So pretty yeah. good night for the, the often forgotten freshman there. Yeah, I think that was a great stat line from him. And I think he's somebody, obviously, with Bowling being out for how long, we don't know. Um, I think that's somebody that, that's going to have to step up and, and start to give us some contribution. Last I heard on Boland was mid-February return. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing as well. So it's, it's nice to know he's not done for the year. I mean, like we discussed when he first went out, I think he's a, a key part to this team. I think for, for whatever reason, what he brings to the table for them defensively, the ability to shoot, drive, get into the lane, that's something where you kind of look at this game and the Furman game, we probably could have used late in the game to, to be a defensive stopper, but also be another shooter on the floor. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about Furman. This was uh, this is one that stung. Again, we we had seen these trends before. We've been on the other side of this. I mean, just the Chattanooga game. Charleston was on the other side. They were down 15. They wanted yeah. at the buzzer on a tip in. Highs and lows of college basketball. Nothing new, but man, this one. Charleston goes into this game 10 point underdogs, according to Ken Palm. Not the favorite here. Paladins had already beaten Louisville on the road to start their season. Picked second in the SOCON, hoping to get that 2-0 SOCON uh, non-conference record, which would have been a great bragging point for, for CFC. Furman comes out hot. I think they go up like 14-7. to But then again, Charleston goes on on one of these runs where, just like we saw against Chattanooga, where everything is, is going right. They're getting stops. They're running. They're shooting and making threes. They go up 15, and then they do not close it out again. Um, but let's start with the positives. What, uh, what stood out to you? Uh, I think just the scoring that we got from across the board, obviously it's an overtime game, so you have some extra time, but I thought top to bottom on, on the stat sheet, I thought everybody was pretty involved. Um, I thought Meeks had a really good game. I thought um, uh, Rain Smith, obviously, is playing out of his mind. They might as well at this point just rename the CAA Freshman of the Week award after him. And, I mean, heck, I, yeah, I don't see anybody else winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see anybody else really winning the, uh, the CAA rookie of the year period at this point underwood played pretty well Phi had some really good good drives to the hoop and everything out of three for eight but still i thought he had some some good moments and then obviously farrar and ali both giving us 10 points off the bench so i think that's key yeah. to get some of that bench scoring so there's definitely some positives like you said there was that that period of time where you're getting a 15 and they're they're getting stops they're getting out running and Furman's a, a good team they're well coached they're a good team yeah. they got a lot of talent i mean that, that's a that's a very good team that we played but man, you're up 15 on them. And it's just like, you got to finish this out, you know, to be up eight at the half and then the under four timeout to be up seven. It's, you know, the, the issues we've had are keep on showing their ugly head. And it's at some point we've, we've got to figure out how to put a whole complete game together and, and put teams away. Yeah. We've seen, you know, the second half charge from the Cougars and, in that Chattanooga game, which was awesome. And then we, but we've seen also a couple of these collapses against Oklahoma state, and North Carolina where you're up, you know, at the half or, or early in the second half, and then Furman and Tulane more recently. Just to give the stats on this one too. Babakar Phi hits that, I think it was the the bank shot from like, you know, a few feet out with five twenty eight to play, puts the Cougars up ten, five minutes and change to go. From there it's two Rainsmith free throws, one Demetrius Underwood layup, which was a, a putback, and then two more Underwood free throws. But in that same stretch, again, no true field goal attempts. Yeah. Five turnovers, two from Underwood, 16-6 to six run by Furman to 
to get to overtime, including the play we have to talk about is the travel call on Demetrius Underwood. If you haven't seen it, it's on it's on Twitter. Clearly shoved in the back in the air <laughs> yeah. by Slauson, who was killing the Cougars and had four fouls at that point. Yeah. Gives Furman the ball with what five seconds to go, ten seconds to go, whatever it was, and then Bothwell hits this shot that Pat Kelsey said afterward. Like Bothwell's going to tell his grandkids about this shot he hit. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah. One footed, one handed, bank shot. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 honestly, the officiating in this game was just annoying to begin with throughout the whole game. I think I read Furman had 22 free throw attempts in the second half. I mean, to Slauson our like 11. had more attempts is, than the whole Cougar team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> outrageous. And that, that last play, I mean, I don't know how you don't see that push there. It's hard to not blame officiating when you see a play like that and that leads to this kid making an unbelievable shot. But that kind of goes back to something that Coach Grant always told us, is you've got to be 10 points better than your opponent on the road. I mean, you just yep. that's, that's how it is when you're playing on the road. You're not going to get the calls. You're going to have a lot of calls go against you. This is the young team. I think that's a great learning experience for them to realize, hey, we're up 15. We shouldn't even let the refs, you know, or turnovers or any yep. of that come into play. You know, we should have put it away and been able to clear the bench the last two minutes of the game, you know. Furman, I think, had 27 points off of our turnovers. So, again, it's, it's turnovers just killing us at times and letting them back into the game. And then, obviously, Slauson, you know, went off for 33 points and was just torching us. So, it's a, a frustrating loss, especially because we've seen the same kind of trends game in and game out. So, it's at some point you're wondering when we're going to fix these. And, obviously, you don't want to have those type issues going into into conference season. But, but Furman's a, a heck of a team, and, and I would argue – better than most of the teams will probably play in the CAA this year. And I hope that the, these guys use this as a, a learning experience for them and can kind of get past that, go get a couple big wins going into conference season and, and start 2022 off right. I agree with that. I just, I was hoping the learning experience would have been the Tulane game. Like yeah. they give up the lead late there they and they're lucky to escape with the win. So you, you think they have that flashback as Tulane's making this late or as Furman's making this late charge and they figure something out, but Man, yeah. Even without Underwood's phantom travel call aside, the turnover he had the play right before. Furman hits a three to cut the lead in half from six to three. Underwood goes to inbound, and it's like deer in the headlights, and he throws it into a yeah. crowd of a paladin defenders. They get the, That's what gave gave them the ball back. And yeah. Again, like Underwood and Ali down the stretch of these games. Underwood's a fifth-year player. I know he's coming from D3. Ali played D1 last year. Still, these guys look pretty shaky late in games. And, yeah. you know, you want to get the ball to, like, Smith ideally, but these guys are the point guards. and Yeah, you can kind of tell, like, once they get the ball and they get fouled and they're going to the line late in the game or once they get the ball and, and the pressure's on, you're just kind of like, you, you can see it. You know, you can see it in them. That's like, okay, what am I what am I going to do here? Like, I remember one of the first games of the year, Underwood went to the line, like, three or four straight times. And you could just tell before he was walking up that he had no confidence and draining two shots. So, whether it's him or somebody else, somebody's got to step up and be the leader late in those games, you know, get themselves open, get the ball and have the confidence. Hey, I'm going to go knock down two free throws or I'm not going to turn it over. I'm going to set up the offense. Yeah. And so we need, we need somebody to step up who, you know, who, who it's going to be. I don't know. I would guess probably Smith or Meeks if I'm a betting man. And Ali's obviously a young player. He's going to learn from this, but Underwood being a fifth year senior, you would, you would have hoped, you know, pressure times like this late in the game, he'd be, ready for it and, and be able to to not turn the ball over and, and hit some big free throws or get to the line. So Bothwell gets the gets the ball when Furman needs the three to tie it. 
and Underwood basically has him pinned. Like he's yep. pivoting, he's pivoting. The clock's running down. Do you hope Underwood fouls him there? Or are you down to just let him not even contest it and just let the shot go up? It's such a tough, it's such a fine line because, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, if you're up three late in the game, go ahead and foul them in the line. You know, worst case, they make one. What if they get a rebound? You know, there's so many things that can go wrong. I, I generally think in that play, in that situation, just play sound defense. Trust your defense. They can't beat you with that shot. You know, they can tie the game, obviously, but trust your defense and, and you know, contest without fouling. Um, but kind of like what Coach Kelsey said, I mean, that's the shot of a lifetime, you know. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't believe you made it, but at the same time, you're up 15, I think with like 24 seconds left in the game. Don't put yourself in that situation. Don't, yeah, like if you don't put yourself in that situation, you're not worried about anybody making the shot, yeah. you know. And so I think that's the, the bigger issue with this team right now is they keep putting themselves in situations where it's late in the game, they're getting pressured, they're losing big leads, they're turning the ball over. We don't really have a post presence or somebody that can seemingly get to the rim and either get to the line or finish and one, whatever you have you. And so that, there's a couple trends with this team that I feel, feel like they've got to, to sort out for them to have a really good shot at, at doing some damage this year. Going off the uh, your point about the post play, Slauson, who was the guy who was just destroying Charleston all night, he played the final 15 minutes of the game with four fouls. We don't have a big who can get him to foul out of the game or a big who can stop him when they just, again, just gave him the ball every single time. The announcers were yeah. like, just keep giving Slauson the ball every possession. He, sh- he should touch it. Uh, they tried Farrar on him. They tried Lampton on him and Smart. I think they gave like some soft double teams to him, which didn't really phase him, but... If you run that late game offense where you're uh, trying to get to the free throw line, maybe Slauson gets uh, gets put on the bench with that fifth foul. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, that that feels like something as as good as we are running the ball um, and getting up the floor, and, and obviously we're shooting really well. And I know college basketball and basketball in general has shifted away from the big man, but it it feels like we're missing that guy that we can at least get a couple posts up the game, and not that he has to score it in the post, but can keep people honest and. I kind of thought Meeks would maybe be that, but we haven't really seen that much this year. It just kind of feels like we're missing that one post presence where we can go in and know that, like, okay, this guy's going to get fouled or get a layup or kick out for an, an open shot or a drive. Yeah. And so that's an aspect I'd, I'd love to see somebody develop into that. I just don't know on this team who it would be. Well, maybe it, maybe it ends up being Farrar. I mean, he had yeah. the best game of his career in this one. He had 10 points, uh, comes off the bench and, and gives some good minutes. Yeah. PK said after the game, the only thing holding him back is just his defense. And we saw yeah. that when in overtime when he he couldn't stop Slauson either. But yeah, yeah, maybe it ends up maybe it ends up being him. So yeah, we'll we'll see where Charleston's late game offense goes from here. But again, yeah, you miss that veteran post player who can go to the line or, or make a pass. Yeah. Or, you know, you miss, this makes you long for the days of Zepp Jasper and Joe Chile, yeah. guys who the double team comes and they either get rid of the ball or squeeze the air out of it, pivot, split that double team, and like get, yeah. get rid of the ball. And Joe and Zepp were guys, and you can even throw Grant into this, uh, and Jarrell, th- those were guys that late in the game, they wanted the ball. They demanded the ball. It was like, if, if we need a bucket, come to me. I got you. And I haven't really seen that out of specifically one person on this team yet. And it's early in the year. You're still defining roles, and you're still figuring out yeah. what's working. But we've had a couple close games now in a row where it's like, you'd love to see someone step up and be like, you know, give me the ball. I want the ball in my hands. I'm going to hit the free throws. I'm going to, you know, help break the press. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be the guy that's like I said, I mean, it can be an Ali or Underwood who maybe isn't scoring 20 or 30 a game, but it's like they get the offense where it needs to be. They get us over into the half court offense, get people set and control the game. You know, Zepp wasn't a guy that was going out and getting you 20 points a game on most nights, but he was a guy who could control the tempo and get people where they yeah. need to be and, and wanted the ball in his hands late in the game to make the right decision. Yeah. Brand new team. So. We'll see. I mean, people are still finding out their roles. Nobody's played for Kelsey yeah. before. This is what you expect going into this year. I think a lot of Charleston fans expected to win some games we didn't think we'd win, lose some games we yeah. thought we had in the bag. But when it comes, it definitely hurts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate to drop a game like this, and it's unfortunate to look like we did late in the game versus Delane. But if this all adds up to us being just absolutely, you know, an oiled machine come conference tournament time, that's what it's all about. So I think down the stretch, this team's going to be fine. These are going to be great learning moments for them, but they've got to start to, to learn from it. They've got to start to make some adjustments from it. So this one goes to overtime. Meeks has already fouled out at this point. He had no points in the second half. I just realized he had 14 in the first and none in the second. Uh, but he fouls out. And in OT, it, it's the Cougars, I think, yeah. just ran out of gas. Underwood fouls out soon thereafter. And then Tucker, yep. I think, fouled out in overtime. Uh, and we saw at 1.5 freshmen on the court in overtime together it was Ali Smith Fi, Farrar Burnham it's so tough in an overtime when the team hits a big shot to force overtime it's so tough to rally after that especially a, a new young oh, team yeah. that seemingly we haven't found that Zepp or Joe leader that's out there you know getting the guys ready to go for overtime so that's that's a tough tough overtime to go in and battle and like you said though it's, it's great minutes for the freshmen and I think we were all excited about a lot of the transfers and fifth-year guys this year, but man, the freshmen have been pretty pretty impressive, and I'm excited to see what they've what they've got in store for the future of Charleston basketball long term because they're getting some great experience this year. Should we talk a little bit more about Rain Smith because he <laughs> yeah. he, he goes for 24 in this one? I mean, a few nights after his first career high, 22, he goes for 24 in this one. He's at the top of every chart for almost every advanced offensive stat. So he's top 25 nationally in offensive rating, effective field goal wow. percentage, and true shooting percentage. That's what happens when you're shooting like 45% from three and 90% from the line. First in the CAA in free throw percentage, third in the CAA in scoring. So obviously the, the highest freshman right now. Fourth in the CAA in three-point shooting, but that is because Brendan Tucker is still shooting an, an insane 53%. Um, and then there's some guys on low volume shooting better than, than Rain, but... 31 three-pointers total is comfortably tops in the CAA. I think it's six more than the, the second-place person, and it's first nationally by all freshmen. So what's your take on Smith as he continues to develop? I mean, he, he's looked unbelievable. He's looked unbelievable even in the first couple games. I thought in the UNC game he looked great. Um, and then obviously the last couple games he's just taken you know the team by storm. And when you have a guy that's playing a lot of minutes get, that you know gets hurt and is seemingly going to be a big piece of our team, you need somebody, whether it's a guy that's already playing or, you know, we've talked about Ferrar maybe being the next guy to step up. But what Smith has done, I think, gives our team an entirely different dynamic because obviously Meeks is like this point forward and we've got some long guards that can get to the rim and we've got Tucker who's shooting lights out, but we obviously know him as a, a high fire and a, and a driver. You had a guy like, like Rain that seemingly just has unbelievable confidence right now. Um, I mean, that's that's a could be a huge piece for this team moving forward. And he's hit some big shots. He's taking big shots. He seems to want the ball in his hand. I think he's he's going to have a great year this year. He's a freshman, so at some point you 
typically expect him to have a lull and hit the wall a little bit. Obviously, you know, knock on wood, we hope that he doesn't and that he, you know, just keeps on playing better and better and better. But what he's done so far, I think, has exceeded all of our expectations. I mean, we knew he was going to be good, but I don't think anybody expected him to be quite this good. I'm going to kick myself if this ends up jinxing him, but 15.6 points per game right now. If he keeps this up, Grant Riller and Andrew Gatterlock both averaged about 13 their freshman year. Now, what really got those guys to the top of the all-time scoring list was they were averaging like 25 their senior year. But right now, Rain's on pace for uh, an awesome freshman season. And, I mean, it's just, it's the it's the efficiency, too. I mean, it's the volume yeah. of threes at 47% or whatever it is, 45%. Yeah. Um, like, he's 6 for 10, 6 for 8, 6 yeah. for 10 again. I was going to say, that's the thing. is it's, He's not having games where it's like 10 for... 22 you know it's, yeah. it's very efficient and he kind of reminds you of like a young Grant Riller where you're like okay like I can see this guy being a 20 to 25 point guy come his senior year you know I think in most like on Ken Palm where they rank like uh, per, like usage percentage he's still way down below Underwood and Meeks and those other guys and he's still depending on yeah. guys to kind of set him up but um, we've seen glimpses of like him driving a little bit more and getting to the free throw line when guys yeah. run him off. I think he's going to continue to see like double teams in conference play. And yeah. Teams are going to have the scout on him. He won't be able to to sneak by anyone. But so far, so good with Rain Smith. He's been he's been awesome. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's been fun to watch. And I, like I said, he's a freshman, so you expect him to hit somewhat of a wall at some point. But the way this team is and how fast they play, I just don't see him cooling off. Knock on wood, I don't see him cooling off that much uh, as we get into conference play and everything. Be good to watch his development. Just to recap this Furman game, though, I was trying to put it in the context of other painful losses. Uh, You may have been around for this one. There was the game at Delaware where Charleston was up 20 with nine minutes to go. Oh, yeah. And Delaware charged (laughs) you Were you on the team for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That That one uh... one might top, top this one. I mean, that was a loaded Delaware team, but that was just an unbelievable collapse on our part. And it was kind of like the same stuff we've talked about here. It was like bad shots, turnovers, and nobody really taking control of the game and being like, all right, everybody. And, that, and you know, I think Joe was a freshman that year, if I remember correctly. And that's where, you know, four years later, he's taking you to a you know, NCAA tournament. He's learning from those moments and became like that guy late in the game. But – yeah, that um, the Furman game definitely brought back some feelings of that game. That was not that was not a fun locker room to be in after the loss to Delaware. I can't imagine. And then, in terms of just like the painfulness of one shot at the end of the game, a couple of years ago, Northeastern hits a shot from behind the backboard at TD Arena. Do you remember that one? It yeah. It's like we oh, ran. Yeah. We ran. I think like. TJ Williams or whoever the point guard for Northeastern was at the time. We run him off. I think Cam Johnson can contest it. He shoots like an air ball. And then I think Charleston was expecting it to bounce out of bound and out of bounds. And whoever shoots it over like the corner of the backboard and it goes in, it's like, it just sucks so much at the time, but you you just yeah. kind of, you kind of shrug. That's what Bothwell's shot felt like. I'm relatively sure I was on the team for that one as well. Actually, now <laughs> I'm thinking about we're, it. We're, there's a trend here. It's, uh, it's yeah. interesting that you were, you were yeah. both these teams. <laughs> A lot of late, late game collapses was on me. So yeah, like I said, there's going to be ups and downs. We knew there was going to be some bumps along the road. Doesn't make it any any easier at the time, but this is the beginning of the the Pat Kelsey era. So 
hopefully these things are corrected and it's a learning lesson for the team. I think we have to remember this team, although we have some older guys on it, it's still a young team that hadn't played together that much. And oh, so yeah. that's, I, I have a lot of faith that a lot of these issues we're seeing will be worked out as the year progresses and as they get more and more comfortable. For sure. Well, let's turn our attention to uh, the week ahead. We've got the rematch at Tulane in New Orleans on Tuesday night. I'll be honest, given the way Tulane had played at the end of the game this week, I was I was putting this as like a scheduled loss. I was like, you know what? The Cougars were lucky to that Cook fouled out of that game, and they were lucky that Rain Smith came came down with that rebound and hit the free throws. I would expect Tulane to be so focused on getting their revenge, playing at home. They already shot fifty percent against us. I was I was ready to chalk this up as a as a loss. We'll see if Charleston is just like so angry about this Furman game and they come out with with fire, or if they're so down on themselves after this Furman game figure oh we beat Tulane last time and then we could see one of those situations where they're down you know 20 to 8 yeah yeah I think this game's gonna teach gonna show us a lot about where this team's at in their development I'm with you after the way that Tulane game went I'm like oh man we gotta go there in a couple weeks and they're gonna have confidence and want to avenge you know this loss and they're probably thinking of themselves we shouldn't have lost that game and yeah and all that and then obviously we looked great in spurts at Furman so and then you blow that game so I'm really interested to see how our guys look in, in this Tulane game. I think that'll tell us a lot as far as where they're at from a development standpoint of have they, you know, somewhat started to put it together and realize, okay, we can't really turn the ball over as much. We've got to have a good late game. You know, let's get up and keep a lead and keep the foot on the throat. And I, I'm excited to see where this team will, will be and where their heads will be after a tough Furman loss and, and a team that went to avenge a loss to you from a week before. Yeah. Uh, they're already seven point underdogs in this one. And that's kind of the thing. I mean, Charleston has been an underdog in a lot of these games, and they've they haven't lost a game where they've been a favorite yet. I think that's worth remembering. Yeah. And Vegas and Ken Palm and all these very brilliant people and computers realize this is a young team, and the expectations are are low. Yeah. Just because Charleston's been exceeding expectations doesn't mean they're not going to have these slip ups still. For what it's worth, they are the underdogs in this game, so it would be great to to pull an upset. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I I think. Uh... I think it's going to be a close game either way. I think that seven-point line is probably spot on. I think it could swing either way. And being on the road, I don't know what Tulane's environment will be like. I don't know if they'll have a ton of fans. What I imagine most kids have final exams this week yeah. and whatnot. But um, it'll be a, I think it'll be a close game. I think we'll learn a lot about this team from this game. Yeah. Uh, and then later in the week, at home Sunday against Presbyterian, and this is the return of Coach Q. So Quentin Farrell, who was a longtime Earl Grant assistant, Presbyterian alum, gets the head job two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Yep. He brings the Blue Hose into Charleston. Uh, so pretty cool for for him to be coming back. And I know you know Coach Q relatively well, and there's a lot of Charleston connections on his coaching staff, right? Yeah. Um, Q's a great guy. Um, he was a great assistant when we were at CFC. I think he's done a great job at, at Presbyterian up to this point. Um, obviously when he took it over, they were in a pretty good spot from coach Kearns. Um, I think they had maybe their best year in history before he left, but obviously there's some CFC connections there on the coaching staff. I know Eric Wilson's there now, um, who we had just last year as an assistant. And then obviously they've got, uh, Reddish who we saw at, yeah. at CFC and, and everything. And, and I think they, in watching them, I've got, like I told you, a family friend that plays for them and in watching them a couple games the last couple of years. And then this year they try to do 
a lot of what CFC did during the Earl Grant era. I mean, you can tell that he learned a lot under Coach Grant and tries to play a lot of the same way. I mean, I, I expect them to be pretty gritty defensively and try to keep it in the 60s if they can, and they're going to pressure you. They're not an overly great shooting team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got a couple players that, that are pretty good inside and out. I think it, at one point this year they were like top three offensive rebounding team in the country, so they're really going to try to – to use okay. use that, you know, not not being as good of a shooting team, they're going to try to use that to get their misses and get some easy buckets, get to the free throw line. So I'm interested to see how we do with a, with a team like that that's really going to crash the offensive glass. But I think if we can speed them up and not turn the ball over, being the key there, I think we can win this one relatively easily. Yeah, you hope this is. Uh, if you do end up losing two games in a row to Furman and Tulane, you hope this is kind of a get right game. But yeah. weird stuff happens in that exam week spot, yeah. you know, uh, it's hard for the guys to be focused and Presbyterian. I mean, they're six and three, they've lost to uh, really good teams and they've beaten the teams they played. They beat Citadel. So not a, not a walk in the park, but you hope this game they they've corrected some of the turnovers and late game issues and, and they're locked in and, and get can get a win there. But it all starts uh, in new Orleans Tuesday night. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very indicative game of the direction the Cougars are headed. Yeah, I, I think we'll know if CFC comes out and gets to a big lead and keeps it. I think we'll know and can tell if there's a different energy about them, if they're going to put teams away. If if it's a dogfight all game or if we see them, you know, keep giving up some leads early in the first half, you know, I'll, I'll get pretty, pretty worrisome. But like you said, I think regardless of what happens there, I think this Presbyterian game, I hate to say get right game because I think they're a really good team. Um, but – it should be if 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 this CFC team is going to be for real this year, that Presbyterian game. If you do drop one to Tulane, it needs to be a game where you come out and make a statement. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's a a huge week early in the year for them. Um, just you know, with regards to their development and where they're going to be and where their headspace will be heading into the conference season. So I think our first conference game is like January first or second. I mean, it's coming up. Yeah, so. right around New Year's. Um, yeah. So um, Tuesday night, we're either going to see Rain Smith score 25 or hit the freshman wall, and then we'll know which way we're headed. Cause... <laughs> it'll, it'll be it'll be our fault. We'll jinx yeah, it. If that's the yeah. case. We'll take full blame. Sorry, everyone. Sorry in advance. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Harrison, I'm going to let you go, man. You've been very generous with your time today, but thanks for coming on the pod as always. Anytime, man. Happy to come in and talk about the Cougs, and uh, looking forward to see seeing this week of basketball coming.